Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Ball Caps and Bagpipes, a Scottish baseball podcast. I'm Glasgow Comets left fielder John McKellar. And I'm Jason Durr, uh, former Scotland president and Hall of Famer. Jason, uh, we didn't have a show last week. Um, there was a kind of combination of you being a bit under the weather through the week, and then last weekend I just simply didn't have the time to fire an episode together. Um, how are you feeling now, man? I'm uh, feeling much better. So, um, gutted we missed last week. I thought the first episode went really well. So, mm-hmm. here, here's the episode number two. This is episode number two, indeed. Uh, we will quickly go over the last two Sundays worth of games. Uh, there were three double bills the Sunday before last, um, and then also uh, last this past Sunday's games before we preview what come what what we have coming on the final day of the regular season this uh, this year. Um, there are still several teams with it all to play for. Obviously, the Glasgow Galaxy kind of quite comfortably won their third successive title this year. But um, those last three uh, postseason cups, uh, those last three postseason cup spots are all very much still to play for. Uh, there are several teams looking at the fourth spot, including my own Comets. Um, we are headed out to Edinburgh to try and sneak our way in, um, but we'll we'll cover that in a bit. Um, firstly, let me just uh, announce that we do have an interview uh, coming up on the show this week. We have Jacob Wright of the aforementioned Champion Galaxy. Joining us, um, I'm looking forward to speaking to Jacob. He's a guy who, I'll be honest, I haven't haven't really spoken to before. You know, I don't know him all that well, so it's going to be interesting for me both uh, to interview him as a player, but also to try and get to know Jacob a bit more as a guy. So let's uh, let's talk about the games from the Sunday before last. And as we said, Jason, it was uh, three double headers. Did you manage to get along to any of those games in Edinburgh? No, unfortunately not. I didn't have a chance to go down there and see how it goes. Although um, I do believe you won both your games. I, I did see an update about you doing pretty well. Um, the Comets split a doubleheader uh, that Sunday. Um, we Unfortunately, in, in the kind of midway portion of the first game, we, we had kind of a lot of untimely errors and errors that uh, kind of cost us in a big way. Um we we won the second game though. Uh, we we hit a hell of a lot better in the second game, that's for sure. Um, and we we tightened up defence a wee bit. Um, but by and large, I think a split between the teams was probably the fairest result on the day. Okay. Um, we hosted the uh, Aberdeen Oilers. Um, I want to give props to their game one starter. I believe his name's Federico. Yep, I know. Um, yep. Yeah, he he was absolutely lights out, to- totally dominant. Um, I think that he was the biggest kind of factor in that first game. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic performance by him on the mound. Uh, second game, we won it by a score of twenty to ten, with the first game ending eighteen to seven in favour of the Oilers. Uh, all in all, a, a competitive day of baseball, a long day, as I remember. <laughs> Did, did did you guys finish all seven innings, both games, or no, no, no? Uh, both games. I don't think either game went seven. Uh, both games were were ended by the two hour time limit. Right. Okay. Um, for those listening who might not know, uh, in our league, uh, double headers have uh, a two hour limit um, to kind of keep us from being at the ballpark all all day long and <laughs> to make sure everyone can get home at a reasonable hour. Um, so you either play seven innings or two hours, whichever uh, comes first. Um, I've found that in double headers that I've played in recently, there have been fewer and fewer that have gone the seven. Um, they usually tend to end around the fourth or the fifth. Uh, I think that's just a byproduct of the kind of offensive nature of of our league. You know, teams play each other, and games are usually high scoring. It's just one of those things. The um, cannons and express. Played a doubleheader. Um, the Express swept that by the looks of things, uh, winning seven four and twelve to one. So they were actually relatively low scoring games, in particular the twelve to one is a pretty dominant uh, performance. I have a wee look in the uh, game report here at that one. So the the Express kind of dominated the early innings of that game. Five runs in the first, three in the second, and four in the fourth before the game ended in the fifth. Uh, three hits allowed, only three hits allowed by the Express. Um, I don't know who they had on the mound. I'm going to see if I can find that out now. 
Uh, looks like Lawrence Lawrence Orafiri pitched that game. Three hits, just one run, unearned. He, he did walk nine, but he also struck out nine in the game. So that, for our league, is quite a dominant performance. Um, speaking yes. of dominant performances, uh, Jason Stott of the Galaxy pitched a very dominant game one uh, in their doubleheader over in Edinburgh. The Galaxy swept the Giants over the two games, uh, winning by, I think, a score of 9-2, I believe, was the first game. I'm trying to find that here. 10-5 was the score in game two. The first game ended, yeah, nine to two. Jason Stott pitched the the complete game in that one. Uh, that game went six innings. That's not bad. Yeah, the Galaxy scored uh, nine runs on only four hits, so it looks like the whoever the Giants had on the mound had a pretty wild day. Um, not necessarily wild. I'm, there might have been a few errors in the, out that way too. So. It looks like actually because only two of the runs were earned runs, uh, six errors on the on the game for the Giants. So yeah, an unfortunate an unfortunate loss for them. Uh, they had been on a I think a seven game winning streak or something along those lines uh, before that. They had that streak snapped uh, by Jason Stott, and it looks like they've kind of beaten themselves more than anything. Uh, they've just had one of those days because they actually out hit the Galaxy by six to four. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes yeah. it's what what you know putting the balls in play causes the errors and the score runs and yeah, it just seems to cascade that way. Yeah. Um, they weren't unfortunately able to to pick themselves up for the second game and were swept. Um, I think the only one then wasn't a sweep was ours uh, with the Oilers. That was that was a split double header. Um, I remember that weekend being very taxing on the body it was quite exhausting to play those two games um, quite quite a quite a difficult uh, quite a difficult day of baseball so, so I want to ask you so when we used to play in the Northern League we would, mm. we would they'd go to Liverpool so we would go and drive that five hour drives there and we would play <laughs> our, our full 14 inning games and then drive back home so was, <sighs> so there was a good chance we were gone for Oh, I'd say 16, 17 hours. Do you, do you think you could do that now? I mean, obviously, this, this is going back fifteen years ago, but yeah, um, I don't, I don't know that I would be able to do. That. I don't know that I don't. I really don't think that I, if if we were to do that, that I would be able to perform particularly well um, in that circumstance. Personally, there are some people who I think could, uh, but me personally, I don't think so. Yeah, I, it's just one of those things that uh, guys, you know, bring up like the travel is a big deal here, and I was like, I always have to remind, go, you know, we we used to drive four or five hours each directions and play a doubleheader and come back, but then you know we would have been we didn't know any different. So um, you know, if that was part of the deal was going to Liverpool or Hull or to Menwith Hill, you know, we would go down and you know make a day of it and have fun with it there. But whereas now you can kind of go, okay, I have got I've got a single game versus Aberdeen, so it's kind of a a long drive back and forth, but it's doable. Yeah, um, I don't know how you guys did it, to be honest. <laughs> I really <don't. laughs> we, I mean, I'm dreading the trip to Edinburgh this coming Sunday, and that's only an hour or so either way. Um, but it's, crazy. it's like, you know, the same thing. It's just the passion of the game. Like, you just you yeah. knew you had to go do that. I mean, I think we won, a couple of times we did stay overnight. I, know, I remember a night in Manchester – and we did stay overnight there, and definitely meal uh, a night in Sheffield, where I think like twelve of us all slept on the floor of a guy's flat, <laughs> played the next day. Oh dear, that's what I mean. That's that really is a passion. You know, you can you only you only do that if you're very passionate about something, especially a game like this um, in this part of the world uh, where it's not something you're really getting paid for. Uh, this is. Very much an amateur sport here, so. Um, well, not only are you not getting paid for it, you're paying to play. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's um, it's definitely guys with a, a passion and a love for the game. It's quite quite profound, actually. It's quite amazing to see, especially for baseball in this country. Um, let's move forward to this past Sunday. I believe there were only two games. Uh, I don't think were there any games out in Edinburgh according to the schedule that there weren't. I don't know. Um, that's my honest answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was the festival um, softball tournament. So right. games tend not to be played during that then because uh, yeah. there's a few guys that go back and forth there. I think in the past, we tried to make sure 
there was no game scheduled because I know even even from the Glasgow side, you know, guys would come over for that tournament. So, um, but don't quote me on that. Looks like the only two games were the Edinburgh Cannons facing the Express. Uh, oh wait, it looks like that was at Bobby Thompson Field. Unless that's been some kind of an error on the website, it looks like that game was played in Edinburgh. Let me just double check here. Um, it says Cannons at Express, but when I go into the... It says that the game took place at Bobby Thompson Field, so I'm not entirely... Maybe it did, maybe it didn't. Uh, I would assume it would have been updated if it had been played. Yeah. Um, it. I don't know. At the end of the day, there were two games, the Cannons and Express. Um, the Express appeared to have won that one by 14-7. to 7. Um, And in Glasgow, the Comets defeated the Devils 19-7 in uh, a very good game, actually. I really enjoyed playing that one. The Devils uh, played well, um, but I was very happy with particularly the defensive work from the Comets, although it looks like a massive scoreline because we scored 19 runs. It was 19 hard-earned runs and and the defensive play by the Comets was the best it's been in a long time. We managed to reduce the number of errors drastically. Um, The fielding quality was just overall much better. Um, Massive, massive shout-out and props to Robert Grutzella, who started the game on the mound for us. He pitched his actual heart out that day and he, he was the main reason for us winning. Okay. Uh, Polish power himself, man. He, he absolutely <laughs> no, dominated and kept us. He kept us within a show with a show of uh, making the the postseason. Right. He's like a personal trainer, isn't he? Because he's a big dude. Oh yeah, yeah. He's 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 as ripped as it gets, man. <laughs> <laughs> I hear I hear tell from one of my uh, from one of my teammates who shall remain nameless because they don't embarrass him that he has actually seen Robert coming out of a shower before. And that he was pretty embarrassed by his own body from then on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention that if you piss him off, he'll rip you in half. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, he he did he did have a bit of a funny go at the umpire at one point, <laughs> and uh, I think it kind of scared the shit out of the umpire. To be honest, <laughs> he's has, in Scottish he, baseball. You never know what might happen. <laughs> Robert has muscles in places that most of us don't even have places, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear, um, yeah. So that's uh, that's basically a, a, a quick overview of what's happened in the last two Sundays. This kind of stuff will be ironed out more as we move toward the start of next season. Uh, this is kind of something that we will gradually prepare more and more for. <laughs> Start to do this every week and have more time. Yes. Yeah. So as we said last week or two weeks ago, we said like uh, we've been talking about this for a year and we need yeah. to get rolling. So the ball is rolling here. This is all just kind of a warm up till next season. And, yeah. And you know we appreciate you just uh, with your patience with everything. Definitely. Yeah. Um. With that and with that kind of being said, let's uh let's get Jacob on, and let's talk uh, to Jacob about his experience as a baseball player and as a baseball fan, how he ended up here. Perfect. Let's do it. Let's do it, man. So we want to welcome Jacob Wright of the Scottish champion Glasgow Galaxy to the show, the first guest ever on Ball Caps and Bagpipes. Uh, Jacob, thank you very much for taking some time out of your Friday night to join us. No problem. Thank you for having me. It's great, man. It's great to have you. Uh, have you sobered up from the championship celebrations yet? Just about. Just about, I think. It was a uh, it was a heady triumph, so... Just about coming back down to earth. That's good to hear, man. You guys, uh, you guys deserve the party. You've absolutely stormed it this year. Um, I believe fifteen or sixteen and two on a year. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think we're fifteen just now, and then got the last game of the season on Sunday. Yeah, um, we 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 in the comments are kind of. Although you guys are like our friendly rivals, I think we we're kind of hoping that you win this week to increase our chances of uh, postseason play. So you better not let us down, guys. Yeah, I think I'll, unfortunately I'll be absent from this one, right. but uh, it's uh, disappointing because otherwise I would have been I would have been able to play every game in the season. But 
yeah, it should be good. It's always a uh, always good to support the uh, cross town cross town uh, teams whenever they're playing. Indeed, it is, man. Indeed, it is. Uh, now let's let's start the interview um, with your kind of background in baseball, Jacob. Um, you're obviously judging by your accent, not a native Scot. Uh, would you like to tell the listeners kind of where you came from and what uh, what level of ball you played at previously previous to joining us in the Scottish League? How you ended sure. up in the league and sort of what your expectations were when you were coming in? Yeah, no worries. I um, I started playing. I grew up in Sudbury, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston, uh, in the U.S. I played little league. You know, started at T-ball, uh, and then yeah, I just played little league. Although I played fairly intensively. My um, one of my best friends growing up, his uh, his dad was our little league coach, and he would take us. He would take us even from the age of eight or nine, like a couple of nights a week outside of practice, go to the batting cages, go do drills and things. So um, pretty baseball intensive when I was growing up. Um, so mostly played Little League and played summer ball, fall ball. Uh, tried out for a couple travel teams as well, but I uh, never quite made the cut there. So uh, when I came to Scotland, I moved when I was 14. And I pretty much signed it off. You know, I thought there's no way – they're going to play baseball in Scotland. So I never even bothered to check until I got the each to play when I was 22 last year and uh, messaged uh, John Tafe or Jason, I think it was Jason Stott on the galaxy. And they said, come on down. And I uh, turned up at Tollcross park and the rest is history played for past two seasons. And it's been a uh, great experience. It's history indeed. You guys have won both both years. I had a wee look at your stats for this season, Jacob, earlier. Um, you're sitting right around the 30 runs batted in, Mark, uh, with 15 stolen bases and a home run. Uh, as of not this past Sunday, but the one before. Um, and given that you guys didn't have a, a game, I guess that would be as up-to-date as, it, as it's going to get. Um, you've had an exceptional season this year. Um, how much did you play last year? As I, I missed most of last season, and I know that we... You and I haven't really properly had much of a conversation at all, to be honest. Um, last season, I um, because because uh, I had uh, strong fundamentals, um, I got I got put in a lot at the hot corner because I was a catcher growing up. Um, and John Tiff, who's the catcher on the Galaxy, um, he put me in a lot to save his knees. I think. So I did get a lot of playing time, but I struggled batting last year. I think I only got a one or two hits in the eight or nine games that I played. Um, yeah, and then this year, being being able to catch in in the uh, Scottish National League really helps with the game time because um, it tends to be a position with not as much depth. Um, so it, it, it's it's one I really enjoy and one I'm glad I get to play uh, so often. Yeah, definitely. Catcher is kind of something that we have a paucity of in Scotland across the league. Um, yeah, you I mentioned. Mean, I was going to say, yep. yeah, you know, pitching, catching, that's always a struggle for us. And, um, and you really have to talk something into catching. <laughs> Do you find, Jason, that that's always been the case in our league? You know, I think we've been lucky. We've always had people that wanted to catch, and so you can do it. And then I think a lot of times you have new guys that come in that just don't know what they're doing. So it may take them a few years, and then they go, you know what, this catching thing, I, I think I want to try it. And then you just kind of throw them back there. Interesting, yeah. Um, Jacob? Um, sorry. Please, please continue. Oh, I was just going to add on that it's, it's I, I think it's definitely the toughest position to pick up especially um, in Scotland with there's not, a, you know, a great wealth of coaching experience. Uh, you know, the coaches and knowledgeable guys that we do have are really great, but um, even like dedicated catcher coaches or people with that knowledge, I'm really lucky on the galaxy that John, you know, has been a catcher for 30 years that he can, he can give me some tips, but it's one of those positions where it's, there's so much that goes into it that it's tough to, it's it's tough to instruct if if you're not familiar with the position. Exactly. You mentioned Jacob that last season in your first year in the league you did struggle a bit at the plate. Given the amount of experience that you had back in the states, that is quite surprising. What would you attribute that to? Uh, do you think it might have been rustiness, or was it just a kind of 
obviously with the pace of the game here, it's all probably not going to be something you would ever have experienced back home. Um, what would you personally attribute that to? And what would you attribute your fast improvement this year? Uh, I think it um, I think it definitely has to do with the rustiness, although I think that became less of an excuse after I started going to training and playing uh, the first you know few weeks. I think the big issue I had was mental. Um, because so you know that's what they say about batting, isn't it? That it's you know ten percent physical and ninety percent mental. That I was just thinking too much about what I was doing when I was up at the plate, and you know thinking about what pitch was coming and what I needed to do and who was on base and everything. When you know ninety percent of the time, unless you know they have some you know the ace up there, it's either going to be a fastball or you know some decent off-speed pitch so you just got to wait on the fastball and try and drive it so I think I was just thinking too much um and this year I really simplified my approach uh and I think that helped me a lot so you've kind of almost set yourself an expectation uh, and kind of made it more difficult for yourself then you would say yeah yeah um last year definitely uh just putting too much pressure on myself um and when you're feeling under pressure, you're unless it's kind of a good pressure, unless you're you're thriving off of it, uh, then you, you you tend to get downtrodden. Tends to play against you, uh, I think. But this year, just you know, kind of had had the had the mind, you know, formed the plan in my head before I went up to bat. But when I was there, I was just trying to execute what I'd been thinking about before. You know, I think. Not trying to, no, go ahead, Jacob. I was going to jump in there in a second when you're done. So It looks like we've lost him. Oh, we lost him. All right, well. Let's, let's try and get Jacob back. <laughs> I thought my Wi-Fi was to be the one that crashed first. <laughs> so we lost Jacob for a bit there, but he's, he's mercifully he's back with us now. Um, you were just talking about your mental approach at the plate. Uh, Jason, yeah. I believe that you... Had something you wanted to add there? Yeah, I was going to say, so, you know, quoting uh, one of my favorite movies, Bull Durham, um, you know, he goes out and talks to Nuke Lelouch and kind of says, don't think meat, you can only hurt the ball club. And, you know, and that's really a good way of thinking, you know, what happens when you get up there because you do overthink at the plate and just go, you know, you just need to relax and just see the ball hit the ball. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's 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 exactly what I tell myself, just see the ball hit the ball. Um, and I find that if you – when I'm when I'm practicing, I kind of have a you know a mantra or something like that that you tell yourself that kind of you know the, these complex actions can relate to in your brain. So personally, I, I go up and I say uh, you know what do I say? I say grip it and rip it, you know, and I tell myself that and I whisper it to myself, and it kind of makes me ready, makes me kind of internally remember the uh, the things I've been doing in training and before I when I was in the on deck circle. That's amazing, yeah. I know that my approach when I'm at bat, I tend to try and think of something really funny when I'm in the odd deck circle um, and then try to think about absolutely nothing while I'm at the plate the entire time I'm there. Um, I just try and react reflectively um, to the ball coming um, and that seems to be a better approach for me than, than what I was doing before, which was quite similar to yourself. I was kind of overthinking things and trying to force myself to do this or that uh, when I was at the plate, whereas doing that just made me freeze. I would end up freezing when the ball would be coming and I found it much more difficult than than it should have been. Yeah, no doubt. Um, even the uh, the last two weeks I played, we had two double headers, and in those, because we'd been off for, what was it, four weeks or something beforehand, mm. I was I was so much more in my own head and the first double header, I, I, I didn't do that well, but you know, I, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't so bad. And then the second one, I was just beating myself down over what I'd done and saying, you know, you got to get back in this, you got to get back on it. Um, and, and, and it's just never productive to try and to think about it like that, I think. Well, to move on to something a bit more cheerful, uh, you guys have won two straight championships since you've been uh, around Jacob, uh, three, mm-hmm. uh, overall, how does that feel to have come to Scotland um, after quite a lengthy period of not playing um, to then join the Galaxy and to be part of that, a, 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 big, a pretty big part, especially this year, of that success? 
Yeah, it feels really good. You know, it's it's playing baseball in Scotland is definitely one of the more enriching experience I've ha- I've had. Not even just playing playing sports, but in you know throughout my life, it's it's such a cool thing to be a part of. I, I because it's such a small community. It's it's still you know big, but there's one league in Scotland. There's two teams in Glasgow. So to it really fills you with a sense of pride that you're kind of representing um representing your city when you're when you're playing um and 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 to play with a such a nice group of guys and people that uh you know i'm glad i call my friends now uh it's just been a fantastic experience that's great to hear man uh Talk us through, if you could, what you remember of the process of uh, between when you expressed interest and how and when you uh, discovered you were going to be on the galaxy. Um, talk us through that process. I actually really want to find out what you thought about your first practice when you walked up and you saw the field. Because <laughs> I know what mine was like. So, and everyone's got their own stories. Yeah. I, um, I remember distinctly come up going to my first practice because I was like where is there going to be a baseball field in Glasgow um so I turned up I got the train from Charing Cross to Carntine and then I went to Tollgrass Park uh and I remember rounding the bend from um like where you know the entrance to the park and I see I see the backstop and I'm like okay no that's at least that's a good sign they have there's, there's a backstop uh you know and a group of guys throwing a ball around and I was I was nervous you know I had no idea what it was going to be like, what, what the level was going to be. But uh, immediately everyone was really welcoming. And uh, I think they saw me or John or someone saw me throw, um, you know, and field a few grounders. And it was, uh, you know, it's commonplace now. And they say, you know, he's, he's a galaxy or he's a comet. Um, everyone who comes, it's, it's like dibs. Um, so it, it was, it was nice. And um, the, the other thing is that all the teams are really good about getting, rookies playing experience. So even if I hadn't uh, had the background that I did have, um, it was, it would have been nice to know that I still would have got playing time. Like um, we had a good crop of new guys uh, and a girl this year and they've all gotten playing time and they've all improved a lot and it's been great to see. uh, And hopefully they'll stick over the winter. Do you Jacob try to take an active role in, uh, like you say, the new, the new people, the rookies, do you like to take a to try and take an active role in their development? Do you do you feel that you spend a lot of, t- of the time that you're at practices, kind of talking people through maybe processes they could try, um, or kind of trying to educate them in a coaching sort of way, or do you leave that up to to guys like John? Um, I think when when I have to, um, then absolutely. But you know, it's it's. I think I help out as much as a teammate should. Um, and it's difficult because, you know, I, I don't have, you know, a super great wealth of, of baseball knowledge, but, um, I, one, uh, one training session, you know, John, uh, Jason, Gio, everyone who kind of usually led the practice was absent and it was just me, uh, a couple of other guys and all the rookies. And I realized, you know, I'm kind of the one who's got to show people what's going on here. So, um, but yeah, just, I mean, try and keep it simple. Cause that's one of the big things is that it's such a, there's a lot going into a baseball, a lot of little things you can focus on when you, when you get more comfortable with it. But uh, the fundamentals are, you know, pretty easy to instruct, you know, when you're throwing mechanics, I was always taught the bird where you, you know, thrust out your hand to the back and then turn your body and bring your arm over. And when you're batting, just stay balanced, keep your eye on the ball, keep your back foot planted, stuff like that. Um, it's, it's not super, or like I say, it's not very complex. So yeah, if, if, if it, and, and it just takes reinforcement, I think, uh, and encouragement. So I, I tend to take. And the reps, like I said, you, you got to have the reps. I mean, we, we come- yeah, got to have the, the, the repetition. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, the, it's the biggest thing. And it's, if I had one gripe, it's that we don't, or not that we don't, but that we could practice more. Um, <laughs> everyone in Scotland, it's, it's like one, I think we've started training two times a week, which is really good <sighs> because it's just, it's just getting that um, muscle. 
Oh, we lost him again. <laughs> Sorry about that. Was that me that dropped out again? I don't know what's going on. Right? <laughs> I don't know either. It's fine. Um, so we lost Jacob again there. Uh, Jacob, you were talking about muscle memory. Yeah, muscle memory. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing is that, um, you know, when you're fielding ground balls, get low. You know, when you're shagging um, pop flies, two hands and things like that. Um, just getting those things concrete is, is really important, I think. Now, you went eight years without playing, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Did you find that things came back rather quickly? When, and when you did, they did, did you, were you quite pleased about that, the fact you hadn't touched the ball in eight years and things came back? Yeah, it was, um, it was uncanny, you know. And I think I, I attribute a lot to the guy I mentioned earlier, my friend's dad, who, you know, would, would do drills with us multiple days a week that it's, it, it, was, it was like someone, some force took over my body and I just, just came back like that, you know, just instantly felt at ease. Um, you know, some little things, but yeah, I definitely, definitely felt it. Yeah, that was, it was more just the, just to see if, because, uh, um, you know, from my own experiences, I had the same idea. Like it was, it was great to just to kind of go, oh gosh, I can throw the ball again, you know, um, and, and, you know, the, the swing took a little bit to get back, but um, mm. it was just interesting to, to see how the, everyone else had done that as well, because, you know, you have guys who've come over um, that, you know, are months from not playing ball. And of course they can go rocket the ball 270 feet. And then you have guys like uh, who haven't picked a ball in eight years when, holy shit, there's baseball. So, so. Yeah. I think the throwing was definitely the easiest thing to, to pick up again. Batting. Yeah. It didn't come back until I properly started working on it over the winter training. Um, and just, you know, swinging over and over and over again in my house, um, just trying to get the exact movement down. And, and then, of course, uh, you probably had to adjust to the speed of the ball of played in Scotland because you're not seeing people throwing 70 miles per hour that often. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I really enjoy it, actually. It's, it's, it's cool that, um, you know, there's, you do get guys like um, the Express, they had one week. Uh, they had this Canadian guy who did come out throwing like, I think he was throwing like 70 or 75 or something. And then, you know, they brought in their relief pitcher who was just throwing curveballs going like, you know, in the fifties or something. So it, it, it adds a lot of diversity, I think, to the game. I know it's been interesting to see it all evolve. Um, um, you know, and we've had, you know, more international people coming um, to help improve the game. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's definitely gotten better from when I started. Yeah, I've even sorry, sorry. Continue. No, you please, please continue. No, just saying. I, uh, I, I even notice. Uh, I don't know if it's just um, the how recent it's been, but it feels like even this year compared to last, there's been an increase in quality. I would definitely agree with that. Um, I think in the games I've played, uh, the quality of games is definitely trending up. Um, it's been a I think overall a more enjoyable experience the past two seasons uh, than it's been in the, during the time that I've been playing. And I started playing in 2013. So mm-hmm. this is, um, I guess, my sixth or seventh season all in. Um, but yeah, definitely when, when I've been playing in games, the quality of the games is, is improving. And I think the diversity of the... I think the diversity of the skill levels um, and the experience levels of the rookies to our league and uh, some of the guys who have been around for a long time are starting to like uh, my co-host Jason. He hung up the cleats a couple of years ago. Some people are starting to leave the league. So people are taking over their spots as kind of the veterans, so to speak, of the teams. Um, It's, like like the you the word that you used earlier, Jason was perfect to play the the game is evolving, um and at a rapid pace over here. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you're obviously getting more locals involved. They're sticking around longer, so you know. And you know, we've talked about reps. You know, and you're getting those reps in. So you you're not having someone who's you know brand speaking new going out to right field and having no idea what's going on. <laughs> yeah, that's happening less and less over. over as time goes on, I think. But that's great. I mean, it's great to see that, that we we're building everything there. That is yep. going strong. You know, we, we have seven teams now and possibly eight next year. So, yep. you know, it's, you know, we seem to be building on strength after strength. 
yeah, the level of organization is just getting much better. Um, it's... So, Jacob, I was curious. So, I'm assuming you're still in touch with people back home. What do they think about you playing baseball out here? Um, I, I'm surprisingly, I'm not so in touch. But the people I do mention it to, extremely surprised. Um, they, they, you know, they can't believe that. Like I, I thought, you know, that baseball is playing in Scotland. Um, and then um, they're always curious as to what the level is like. And I, I compare it to, I don't know if you guys would agree, but kind of high school ball, um, like, you know, like varsity high school ball, I'd say. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty level. fair judge, but I, I always said kind of JV high school ball, depending on what kind of level you played at JV and high school ball there. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, you know, you always have, you know, somebody who comes along that can, that can throw that will make a big difference. Um, but, yeah, I thought kind of like JV high school ball was probably about right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's entertaining, I think, is, is, the, is the biggest thing. Is It's not like you're walk, going out there to watch mm-hmm. some um, guys who don't know what they're doing. It's You're, you're still going out there to watch a contest um, between two real teams speaking of contests uh what was your favorite moment so far uh playing for the galaxy on the on the field in scotland i think my favorite moment has to be um it's a selfish one but my the home run i hit this year um it was in the first game of the season uh and it it, it was after um it was it was in the comets galaxy game after i'd been I'd trained a lot over the winter. I'd really been wanting to improve on um, my performance from last year. And uh, Albert was pitching uh, and he, he dealt me this fastball way inside that I probably shouldn't have swung at, but um, I managed to put it over the left field fence and it was, it was just fantastic. Um, and uh, you know, everyone going to the plate to, to congratulate you. It just feels, just feels really good. I remember that game pretty well. <laughs> did they give you the ball though uh, I don't, they didn't give me the ball no we uh, we had to use that one I think that one was still in play <laughs> you didn't just go kind of like okay let me check it out and sneak it in your pocket and keep it from <laughs> here <laughs> uh, that was a, sorry sorry that was that was a crazy crazy day at the ballpark it felt felt like they were there, we were there all day Um it was quite something that game. I remember that home run pretty well. Um, I believe I was umpiring the infield at the time yeah. that happened. And uh, I just remember going over and obviously I have to try and be neutral, but I was just like, ah, oh, God. <laughs> Not Did again. You, I, I remember <laughs> because we had, um, it was Thomas. The, uh, That's the umpire. right. Yeah. Uh, he, he, you know, he's a, he's a pretty strict, strict guy. And I, I remember I saw it go over. Uh, and I was running first or second, and he he he's, he comes out into the field and he's going no no, check if it's a double you know, and uh, but Andy Vaughn in left field he was going you know no no that's a that's a home run so that was really nice of him to do. Did you know it was gone as soon as you hit it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Elvis, uh, my teammate Elvis hit hit uh, his first of the season, uh, the last game we played. And he said the same thing. You, I think, I think you always know. Not that I've ever hit any others, um, but I think you always know. It's a nice feeling off the crack of the bat, and you go, and it's like it's got a chance, and then you watch it and see if it does. Yeah, yeah. Um, the so only guy I don't know. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was going to say the only guy I don't know if uh, he knows when it comes off the bat is Luis. You know, Luis on the Galaxy. Yes. Because that guy just. Hits the crap out of any ball he hits. Yeah, I was. Are you finding it was a big adjustment to go from say playing with metal to, to playing with wooden bats? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's 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 harder to make solid contact, um, or or if you you really have to barrel it up with a wooden bat. I think um, it's definitely less forgiving. That's for sure. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoy using the wood bat. I think it. I like uh, playing. It feels like a pure form of baseball, and not not that that matters. But it, it's nice to feel like you're playing the truest form of the game. I think. Jacob, what um, 
what goals have you set for yourself for um, next season? Obviously, the Galaxy have, uh, as we've said, won the league, which means that you guys automatically uh, have a berth into the Caledonia Classic. Um, obviously, any team that's going to be in it, that's going to be their goal is to win that this season. But for you personally, moving forward beyond this year, what do you want to see improve in your game? And uh, how would you like to see both the league and also the Glasgow club improve moving forward? Um, that's a good question. I, uh, in my own game, uh, I'd like to continue the kind of firm up the changes that I made to my approach at the plate this year. Um, but the big changes I want to make are in our defensive uh, and specifically catching. Uh, my big weakness has been uh, blocking pitches in the dirt and things like that. So that's something I want to run a lot more drills on and kind of um, make less of a liability because, you know, you, you Scottish baseball, you often find a lot of runners on um, and they'll often reach third. So it, it really helps to not have as many pass balls. Uh, and as far as the team goes, uh, I think what we've put into program, put into motion this year, um, just continue that, try and encourage um, the rookies who have signed up this year to stay on and get more people playing. Because like you say, um, there are people who are finding that they don't have the time or the uh, inclination to, to play. And it, it's, it would just be nice to get more people involved and um, grow the game more. Yeah, I completely agree. I think uh, what we do need is a constant turnover of players. Uh, unfortunately, at this level, there will be people who will come and go from year to year or even from month to month. Uh, I personally missed quite a big chunk of this season uh, due to not being available to play a lot of games. So um, as I'm certainly by no means the only one uh, that that's the case. Um, to move away then from your experiences of Scottish baseball for the time being, Jacob, um, judging by the fact you're from Massachusetts, uh, I'm, I'm safe to assume you're a Red Sox fan. I am a Red Sox fan, yes. What well, tell us your favorite Red Sox memory? My favorite Red Sox memory. Um, it was probably recent. It was probably uh, this summer. I went to see a game at Fenway. I was visiting my brother, who lives still lives in Boston, and um, just going to see. Uh, they were playing the Royals, but just going to going to Fenway after rediscovering my love of baseball was something that was uh, really, really f- fantastic. Um, and just it, it just felt like the truest instance of coming home. Uh, I'd say that's probably my favorite memory. Not that they they won heavily uh, against the the Royals, as <laughs> many teams have been wont to do this season. Um, but um, that was a really good one. So, did you attend a lot of uh, Red Sox games growing up? I mean, it was a um, yeah. I I I. Sort of. I'd go to a, a few games a year, um, and it would always be an event. You know, we, we'd go either my my parents would drive, you know, a few of my friends out, or we'd go with, um, you know, one other of my friends' parents. But uh, it was always a big day out, um, and uh, if you were lucky, you'd get seats, you know, bleacher seats or something else. But I remember more than once I had the uh, the pole seat. They call it. Or I, I don't know if they call it that, but. In Fenway, it's it's an old park, and there's a lot of seats that are near or behind the um, the structural poles. Okay, I wasn't sure if you were referring to the pesky pole or no. the structural poles. Yeah, the structural. I don't know what they're called. Beams? I, no. Yeah, the beams I are there. That I I we, I know what you're talking about. We had the same problem when I was in that Wrigley Field. So like yeah. being the older stadium, you, you you know sometimes you have an obstructed view seat. Yep. Yep. Um. But yeah, I went. I managed to get to a few games. I went to a lot more Spinners games, Lowell Spinners games, and even uh, Pawtucket games than I did Red Sox games. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's it's one of those memories of growing up. And like I say, you know, it's like your birthday comes up, so you end up going to the park and you know get, get your name up on the scoreboard and all that fun stuff. Comes yeah, get the um, the baseball helmet full of ice cream. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, you have the baseball helmet full of ice cream. The classic. <laughs> you guys are making me jealous now. 
I mean, you know, it's, it's kind of unfair. I mean, I look back at, you know, I'm from Seattle originally. And, you know, at 12 years old, my parents would let me and my friends jump on a bus 40 minutes to go to downtown Seattle, watch a Mariners game for five bucks, and then come pick us up after the game. You know, that we did that quite often in the summer. That's a good deal. Yeah, well, it was the Mariners in the 80s, so uh, I don't know how good it was. <laughs> it got better when Griffey showed up, but yeah, you know, it's one of those things, uh, um, you know, that was always one of my memories. It was, uh, you know, we'd go to the Mariners, and you'd go see three or four games a year and, and, and enjoy it that way. Because John's still not been to a baseball game yet. Oh, really? That is true, unfortunately, yeah. I have uh, never stepped foot in the United States of America. Um <laughs> Hopefully, I'll get along to the cathedral someday, but who knows? <laughs> so, um, let me say, Jacob, who's your favorite Red Sox player, or do you have a favorite player outside the Red Sox? Um, my favorite player, uh, I'll do both. Um, my favorite player on the Red Sox is Christian Vasquez, the catcher, mm-hmm. uh, just because I, I've always liked him. I really, the thing I really like about him is that he's solid defensively, and um, he, I really like his approach at the plate. He always seems to put in a good at bat and make the pitcher work and not give him any easy outs, not just go up there hacking. Mm-hmm. Um, and outside of the Red Sox, I like, I don't know if you guys know Williams Astudio on the Twins, <laughs> uh, the Turtle. Yep, La Tortuga. Yeah, La Tortuga. Yes. Uh, you know who we're talking about, John. I, I've heard of him, uh, but I'm not all that well versed on him. So, so it's not it's not just him; it's the legend of La Tortuga. So I'll let Jacob tell you more about him. But uh, yeah, he's, he's a he's a character. Yeah, he's this. Uh, he's like he's got this head full of head full of curls, and he's like what, like five foot six, five foot seven, and he is uh, he's stockily built. <laughs> he's as wide <laughs> as he is tall. Yeah. <laughs> I think he was something like the there was some stat, but he 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 he's a utility player and he played center field and he was something like the only player under five foot seven and over like you know one hundred and ninety pounds to ever play in center field. So he's and a fa- so he's a facsimile of Bartolo Colon, is what you're telling me. Exactly, <laughs> he could be the uh, you know Bartolo related. So there's not only that he was running a stat last year. I don't know how about this year. Like he'd only like swung and missed like 15 times during the season. Like he doesn't strike out very often, and then he makes contact consistently. Yeah, he, he's he's crazy. He it's it's similar this year, um, but he just he just doesn't miss. And he he I, I was watching an interview with him, and he tells this story about how his dad would throw. I think it was like corn kernels, and he would hit them with a broomstick. Like that, they would do soft house like that. That's insane. Yeah, that's that's your off season, John. Yeah, it's gonna be corn kernels and a broomstick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna lock myself uh, out of the house and keep going for hours and hours on end with the corn kernels until I can get a certain number on in a row. No dinner for me until I've got it done. It would it would help? I'm sure if it's if if Estudio is anything to go by. <laughs> No, I don't know about what you guys can do in Glasgow, but we had in Edinburgh, we did something similar. We had like a, a metal stick. You can actually buy the rod there. And then we would throw uh, wiffle golf balls. Same idea there. Obviously, it's not corn kernels in a broomstick. But yeah, we used to practice that way. So, Yeah, um, we, yeah I think we've, we've got similar kind of things that happen indoor. I tend not to attend indoor training unfortunately so I wouldn't be I think Jacob could probably give you a better idea of what's been done this past winter than I could yeah, just a lot of soft us um, and yeah with the with the little wiffle golf balls that as well yeah um, yeah uh, I think it really helps you know just so, I, so speaking of that so did you ever play wiffle ball growing up Jacob Love wiffle ball. <laughs> yeah, see, that, I tried to bring that back over here, and then people were like, "What?" And, I was just, and then we tried throwing it and went all over the place, and so it quickly ended that way. But um, I mean, that's one thing I miss is playing backyard wiffle ball. And you had, you know, you got to see all those breaking pitches and, and try to figure out how to throw them, that ball. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I've I've looked into getting a wiffle ball and bat over here, but 
I don't think they make them here like the real, you know, the long yellow ones and the the proper like six hole waffle balls. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. Yeah, I I, I brought mine from the states like years ago. That was it, and then we lost the balls. That was it. <laughs> and John's going, "What the hell are you guys talking about?" <laughs> so anyway, Jacob, we'll wrap up. Uh... Right there, I think um, we would love to have you back on the show to tell us more about football-related stories yeah. and uh, and everything else uh, that you've experienced over the years. Um, I want to thank you once again for coming on the show and uh, spending a part of your Friday night with us. It's very much appreciated. You've done us a massive favour uh, as we try to as we try to trial this show over the remainder of the season. It's very it's very good for us to get an opportunity to have someone come on live with us and do an interview in real time. Um, so again, very, very much appreciated. Yeah, I really um, enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. We've, we've enjoyed having you on, man. It's been great to chat with you. Um, let's have a wee look, guys, at what we have coming up this Sunday. All right, but before we go, I got one last question to ask him, and it's probably will end on a lot. So uh, walk-up music, you get, you get one song for your walk-up <laughs> music. <laughs> one song for the walk-up music. Um, that's a tough one. I'd have to go with, um, what would I go with? I don't know. I, I, I only, I never realized walk-up music was a thing until the, uh, not even MLB team started doing it, but the Express do it. They bring a big speaker to all their home games. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. They have uh, all their players have walk-up music. Um, but for me, I'd have to go, uh, <laughs> Maybe just a classic. Maybe something like "Paint It Black" by the uh, by the Rolling Stones, or uh, I got a Bob O'Reilly. It's got to be Bob O'Reilly. Oh, great choice! That is such a good choice. (laughs) I love it. Um, So let's start with the Galaxy game uh, this coming Sunday. Oilers are visiting the Galaxy at Toll Cross. Am I right? Yep. Um, how are you guys feeling about that? I know you mentioned earlier that you probably won't be able to play, but do you think that the guys are going to be able to top off the season with a victory? I think so. Um, I mean, I, I'm you know obviously biased, but uh, everyone's been playing really well. The only thing is that I think the Oilers do have Federico back, Federico Gambadori, hmm. uh, and he he's he's just a great player. He's yeah. pitched, he pitched the best game I've seen pitched in the UK when we were I went with the Scotland team to the uh, battle for Britain in Kent and he he pitched it was close to a perfect game through six yeah. uh, and it was he's just a fantastic player yeah we, we played the Oilers in a double header at the field uh, two Sundays ago and he pitched game one and it, it was <laughs> it was not a great experience trying to hit against him put it that way yeah. <laughs> He's just, he's got, his, his, his curveball is, it really pairs with his fastball well. Um, it's, you know, it's one of the few I've seen in the league that it will, when it starts coming in, most you can kind of tell um, that it's the curve and it's the, it's the mo- movement that gets you, but his, it looks like the curve and then has you hacking way over the top. Of it, so. um, Beyond that, the obviously Comets are visiting the Giants out in Edinburgh. Um, that's a game I'm looking forward to. That could be our final game of the season. Um, certainly, the fourth spot in the postseason is very much up for grabs. There are several teams still in the running, um, including ourselves and the, uh, the the Giants have had a, a tremendous season, uh, especially over the last couple of months. Um, we covered that. Uh, in the opening, Jacob, that you guys at the Galaxy with the sweep the other week in the doubleheader actually ended quite a lengthy winning streak for those guys. Mm. Um, so we are certainly up against it, uh, but we're going to give everything we have. Um, the only other games that are on are a doubleheader between the Devils and Express that day. Um, we'll probably be, I think, hoping for a split between those two, a Galaxy victory and a Comets victory. Um, I think that's pretty much the only way we're going to be able to get into the, the Caledonia Classic. Regardless of what happens, though, um, again, thanks for coming on the show, Jacob, and we wish uh, you and the Galaxy every success with the Caledonia Cup and um, certainly continued success moving forward. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you pleasure. so much for coming on. Yeah, Thanks for coming on, Jacob. Cheers, guys. So, Jason... Uh, 
to close, what do you have for us today? Uh, this is Friday as we record. What's your this day in history for Friday, the 6th oh, of September? So this is a good one. So for... Oh, I, I know it's a good one because I, I, I saw it earlier. <laughs> you saw it. So, yeah, so, <laughs> so this is where Cal Ripken broke um, uh, Luke Gehrig's Iron Man streak. And uh, yeah, he, he uh, played uh, 2,100, I think, 54 games in a row. If I'm correct, so um, I, I saw that that he had tied it yesterday, so I knew today this was definitely gonna be the one. So um, I definitely remember watching that in Sports Center, and, and uh, yeah, it was cool. The coolest that he had played all those games. Yeah, the Iron Man. Uh, he he outpaced the Iron Horse himself. Just an, an insane star that I genuinely don't think will ever be touched. No, there's um, no, there's, uh, there is no way that that's ever gonna happen again, especially with how baseball is now. Um, no, it's it's untouchable for the, at least the foreseeable future. Yeah, I guess I, I think the last guy had something like maybe five hundred something games, four hundred fifty games. <laughs> so you know that's only three seasons you're talking about. So yeah. uh, you know trying to do for another ten or so, it's a long mm. ways away. Yep, uh, Cal Ripken was something special. I remember I've told the story on the last episode two weeks ago of how I kind of started watching baseball and it was right around the weekend that he played his last All-Star game um, and I remember him hitting that home run on the first pitch he saw that day and it was just something It was just something else. So there was a story behind it because that was the one where he was supposed to play third base and Eero was playing short <laughs> yes. and he swapped so he could do that. And, he, and he Rod fucked up the play. <laughs> But I also want to say, I think they, they grooved him a fastball so he could, could hit over him if, if the rumor is correct. No, no one's denied it, but I think they, uh, they kind of told him that he was going to get a, a built-high fastball for him to stick with swing away. <laughs> oh, the good old days of the All-Star game not meaning anything. Uh-huh. So the one thing uh, you probably didn't know about Kyle Ripken is he constantly changed his swing. He never had the same batting stance. That is quite interesting. Yeah. Um, is this something that he stated he did consciously, or was it just something that people noticed? He, he, I mean, he could go from one at bat to the next to the next at bat and have three different batting stances. Uh, uh, he was known for that, so he, whatever was working for him that day, he just kind of went with. Well, I mean, that's that's so cool, isn't it? He did just kind of go with whatever was working. Uh, I think that's what made him so enduring. Um, he didn't try to. He didn't try to be a. A, a home run hitter or a, a singles hitter. He just went with what he felt comfortable with from day to day. Yes, and of course, he was, he, has a, he was a great shortstop. He was one of the, mm. the first people that was a prototype for all the big shortstop you see now, or the Arod, mm. the Nomar, the um, Jeters. You know, I mean, there, there was never been a, a six foot tall shortstop till he started playing. Yeah, and he played on, he's one of very few people to play on a team with his father, isn't he? And his brother. And his brother, that's right. That that has to be the only club where that's happened. Possibly. I'm trying to think, because there's, there's a few other families, like the Boones. Yeah. They might have had his dad manage one of the, the sons, but I can't verify that. But yeah, you know, to have your dad manage and play with your brother, that's definitely the only time that's ever happened. <laughs> Just crazy. Anything else? Any other morsels of uh, interest in baseball history uh, today, or is that the kind of main one? That's the one for today. You'll have to follow the rest of them on the Instagram to see to see what I put up each day. So, where can uh, people to... where can people find you on Instagram? So you can find me at Bubba on Baseball. Um, I'm also on Twitter, but uh, I've been posting more on Instagram to kind of grow the following there. Um, so I think it's definitely more visual um, and more fun to see what goes with that moment of history every day. Excellent, and uh, you can also follow this podcast on social media. Uh, just type, just follow, uh, search at Caps and Pipes. Uh, the Facebook is working. I don't know about the Twitter. Has that been sorted? No, we're, we're still in Twitter jail for some reason. <laughs> we'll figure out what's going. Yeah, on. something. There seems to be some kind of technical hitch with the actual Twitter for the show. But you can follow us on Facebook. Just search at Caps and Pipes. You can uh, hear me on two other podcasts, both the NHC Music Podcast and the NHC Gaming Podcast. Search both on uh, any of the Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Anchor or anything, uh, wherever you want to hear it. Wherever you're listening to this now, search for my other shows. Uh, I can assure you they're brilliant. Um, And obviously you can catch me on the field this Sunday with the Glasgow Comets in Edinburgh.
good luck this weekend, John. Thank you so much. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a great day of baseball. I think across the the league. Um, I think with the new postseason format, um, the top four teams going in, it does add an extra dimension to this last weekend. It's kind of like a helicopter Sunday situation that you would sometimes see in football, where you don't know quite where the prizes are going to go uh, until the last kind of whistle blows. So, um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do everything we can to make it in. But as I've mentioned earlier, we've had some. We've had some defensive innings that just haven't gone our way for whatever reason, and I think that's cost us more times than we would be comfortable with over the year. So if we don't make it, it's going to be something that we'll just have to we'll have to take that in stride and work on not allowing that to happen next year. Um, but obviously, the, the the goal for us, if we can, is to make it in. Good stuff. Yeah, final weekend of baseball, and then we'll find out what happens after that. Yep, and uh, we will be doing hopefully weekly podcasts during the Caledonia Classic as well, the postseason tournament. Uh, we certainly will um, cover it as much as we can um, as we continue to try, try and iron out the creases of this podcast and get it kind of to a place where it can really properly launch next season uh, for 2020. Um, in the meantime, though, Jason, do you have any major plans for the weekend? I, I have play dates with my kids. That, that's of my weekend. <laughs> Sounds like a great, great weekend, man. Uh, I hope you have a good time, and we'll chat next week. All right, man. Have a good weekend, and we'll we'll talk next week and see how everyone did. Awesome. Thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, please do join us next time. All Bye right. for now. Bye.